Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jake. Uh, I'm a Newcastle fan. I work for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football, and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Hi, I'm Gittas Whelan. I am a contributor to the Jackcast, that's the Swansea City podcast. You can find us at the Jackcast, or you can follow me on Twitter Great, thanks so much for joining us guys. Up first we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, And a bit of a mix-up, I will go first, talking about Tottenham, not just because I think I'm super important, but because Gittos will lead into the topic. Um, But for Tottenham today, we had a 2-2 draw with Leicester in the FA Cup. Uh, There's been a lot of frustration from fans, so I guess I'll just start with the actual match we held possession for most of the match and didn't do probably enough with it I think uh, Josh Onoma was very impressive uh, some people already pointing out the flaws in his game and comparing him to Della Ali which I think is a little harsh considering Ali's rampant success at, at such a young age maybe don't compare him to that one but um, did very much like what Della Ali was doing we were in control for most of it I think Kevin Bimmer um was held a little bit accountable for uh, one of the goals, but I, I think that the people that are blaming him for that are kind of losing sight of the rapport that Jan and Toby have. And because we don't have a different right-sided center back that can play with them or in the Europa League matches, he's having to play with different people, and I don't think that's benefited him, including him having to play with Fazio uh, back in the Capital One Cup, which obviously could leave you a little bit scarred. Um I thought largely our biggest threat was down the left side. Nestor Chadley and Danny Rose were constantly getting behind their back four, but doing very little with it. Chadley did have one shot that was parried that turned into the Erickson goal, but I would have expected more uh, end result from as many moves as we had that came down that side. I just realized that the other goal was the Kane penalty, which was also on the left side from Danny Rose in the box. Um, on the penalty decision, a lot of people saying it should have been a penalty, a lot of people saying it shouldn't have been a penalty. I will continue to stand by what I always say on this show, which is you should never give the referee the choice to give a penalty. And his hand touched the ball in the box. I understand that intent is a big part of it, and it possibly took a deflection before it hit him in the hand, but you can't say his hand was in a natural position, and it did deflect the ball away from Danny Rose. But I do agree that he very likely knew very little about it, and he may have just been trying to shield Rose, and the ball happened to have chipped up. Um, But, yeah, my overall take is... It, don't put yourself in that situation, and then a penalty won't be called. It was called, made it 2-2. On to the fan reaction. A lot of Tottenham fans saying they wish we had just lost. 
because it would have avoided another fixture, the replay against Leicester, which would be our third match against them in a couple weeks. Um, and then other fans saying you should never want your team to lose. I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think everybody was hoping we would just outright win, for starters. But once you go down 2-1, I don't blame people for looking at the scenarios where this is a year where we need to push for Champions League. I mentioned it on the show on Thursday that this is the best chance we're going to get in quite some time with Manchester United and Chelsea both very much struggling, Liverpool changing manager midstream. This is an excellent chance for us to finish top four. So I definitely understand the mentality of trying to avoid fixture congestion. Uh, But that doesn't mean that I wasn't very excited when Kane scored at the 2-2. I think it is possible to both be cognizant of what could have been better schedule-wise, but also still have joy for your team doing well. I think it, it is crazy when people are saying that they were hoping that we would lose. I think that's an insane take on it. Could there have been a benefit had we lost? If we had lost, could we have used that as the narrative? Absolutely, but we didn't. We got a draw. We have another match against Leicester and a chance to go further in a competition where there were already a lot of Premier League matchups. And so whoever ends up you know, making it to the next round, you could catch the, uh, a lucky draw and get kind of an easy run through uh, to the semis or to the final. So I am glad that we were able to manage a draw. Would have obviously preferred to have just won. Uh, that's another way to avoid the fixture congestion is if you don't draw them. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm, I was pleased with the performance. I think we could have won it, but, uh, cards didn't fall our way. Christian Eriksen said that, uh, it was disappointing as Leicester only really had two chances and they scored two goals, which I think is, uh, very close to the truth. They probably had, uh, maybe three or four total, but they did have a very high conversion rate and you can't blame them for that. I think a big part of it is that Kevin Vimmer doesn't play very often. Michelle Vorm, super, doesn't play very often. And uh, we both played not our full strength 11, and we'll probably see both Tottenham and Leicester at full strength in midweek. And then that'll be a very interesting matchup, considering that we played them just four or five days previous. All right, now we will head to Jake to talk a little bit about Newcastle. What's been the news out of Newcastle this week? Uh, Well... Quite a lot is happening, as you would imagine, in January, especially where we are in the table. Um, we started the FA Cup game. I didn't see it because it wasn't on. It wasn't broadcast anywhere in the world, so it's quite difficult to find any way to watch it. But from what I gathered from people who did who were at the game and the highlights I've seen, we played all right. Uh, we had more shots than Watford. I think um, you know it's just another year, another FA Cup defeat in the third round. It's the thing now. We. The, uh, lineup we played was pretty strong. We had most of our full, uh, most of our first team out there. We played quite a weird three-five-two formation, which was quite, which has been untried. We haven't used it all season, so I don't know why he went down that route. But I mean, it didn't work out in the end. We uh, it's just another game where we missed good chances and conceded a very sloppy goal. Um, why now to uh, misplaced a pass back to the defence and Troy Deeney picked it up and scored. So. It's, yeah, Wijnaldum made the error this week, which is quite uh, unusual because he's been good all season. But yeah, I guess it's just—I guess it could turn out to be a positive in the long run. Uh, where we are at the table, we obviously need to focus on the league now. Um, as much uh, as fun as an FA Cup run would have been, I don't think it, it might not have been for the sides. You know, it would might not have been best for the side in the long run. But uh, Ash, uh, Mike Ashley said uh, last season that we would start to target cups and. 
this year we got knocked out in the third round of the Capital One Cup by uh, Sheffield Wednesday, and now it's the third round of the FA Cup by uh, Watford. So I don't know if that's targeting the cup at all. It doesn't really seem like it, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, what's going on at Newcastle at the moment? Uh, move on to transfer news, which is both comical and uh, interesting at the same time. I've thought of the uh, Lacazette rumor, which if you believe a lot of the French media, and I think even Lacazette himself has come out and said that that uh, Newcastle had agreed a few of Leon, so that's, that's hilarious because we obviously had no chance of signing him. So agreeing a few with him is like uh, agreeing a few of Barcelona for Messi. It's not going to happen. Like, Why do it? You're literally only doing it to uh, sort of appease the fans and make it look like you're trying to do something when really you should be focusing on the realistic targets, especially where we are in the table. But um, yeah, I mean, we have contacts in France. I think uh, if a player becomes available in France, we're... Uh, alongside Arsenal, probably the, the club most likely to get them, uh, no matter what their sort of reputation is, because um, I think people sort of underestimate the uh, the value of contacts in transfers. I think it's very important. I think Newcastle do have contacts, and Lacazette is one that possibly could happen, and it would be surprising if it did, but at where we are at the moment, it's just not one that's a starter for me. I think um, he's a player that if he would ever come to Newcastle, it would be a summer transfer where, you know, we've got, we're starting level uh, with all the clubs in the league. But yeah, at the moment, that's not the case. Um, other players we've been linked with, Henry Saivet from Bordeaux. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a, he's a captain. He's a defensive midfielder, a winger, sort of can play uh, anywhere across the midfield. Uh, and he's available and um, talks are ongoing for him. So that looks like one that's definitely a possibility. Uh, he'll provide a bit more cover in the midfield and provide a different option to Anita and Colback, who, as a pair, don't work, as I've said before on this uh, podcast. Uh, another couple of names that we've uh, been talked about, uh, three names, I've mentioned three more names, uh, seem to uh, have some progress in them. Uh, Shelby, I think um, Goethe might come on to this, but with the Sky have uh, confirmed that we're in talks with Swansea for Shelby. I think Palace are also interested. But, I mean, with him, there's loads of questions. I mean, you even saw what he did today at the game with the Swansea fans and there's, um, you know, whether Swansea would want to sell to Newcastle where we both are in the league and whether he, you know, would he uh, is worth the money that Swansea would want, which I believe is about 10 million. I don't, they're all uh, unanswered questions, I'm sure. But he's definitely a trans, uh, a player that could develop in the next couple of weeks, whether it's to Arsenal or elsewhere, because I think he's definitely one that, uh, might be on the move this uh, window. And then you've got Loic Remy, who we're in talks with, um, a loan deal, uh, bringing him in back on loan, which would be good for us. I think, I think I'd think i say right now, if we signed Loic Remy, I think we would not get relegated. I think I think he he's not what we need in the long run, but in the next six months, he'd come in, he'd probably get uh, seven to ten goals and we'd stay up. So hopefully that's one that gets done. But there, obviously there'll be other interest in him because he is a really good player. And especially on a loan deal where there's little risk, little finances paid into it. I think a lot of Premier League clubs will be looking at him. And then there's Berahino, which uh, apparently we have an £18 million bid on the table for him. He was a player that we uh, that, um, journalists believe uh, would have went to Newcastle in the summer had he not changed agents. So I think he was with AD Ward and he changed uh, to a bigger firm and at that point, he stopped looking at the mid-table clubs and looked at the sort of top four, top six clubs. But then, what's obviously what's gone on with him this season? He's a player that um, might be available to someone like Newcastle. But I mean, 18 million would uh, break our transfer record, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's really worth that. But 
I, I, I think uh, Tottenham are also looking to do that deal again. So if, if they're involved, I don't think Newcastle really have much of a hope. So yeah, there's things happening at Newcastle. I think we'll bring in probably one or two players, but whether they'll be the right players, you know, that's another question because the January market is awful to deal in. Yeah, you mentioned the Loic Romy thing, which we talked a, a couple weeks ago about. What do you think has changed that? And are you still confident in kind of Perez and Mitrovic as your pair for the future? Yeah, I think I think what's changed is um, I didn't think we would look to sign him. I thought he'd be too old, and obviously, where he's rejected us twice before, uh, once before went to keep, uh, once before he went to QPR, and then again uh, after his loan spell with us, he didn't want to make it permanent. So. I thought maybe the board would sort of be stubborn and not go back there, but obviously, you know, the money, uh, the Premier League talks, and you, you want to stay in the division. And if he's available on loan uh, for like a one or two million pound loan fee, there's so little risk involved for Mike Ashley. He won't have to spend much money. He will come in. You know, he's going to get goals because he is just a really good player. He's probably one of the best players I've seen in recent years at Newcastle. And uh, you know, it's, Mike Ashley is is somebody who does business on percentages and it's more likely that somebody like him is going to come in and get you the goals you need than spending 18 million on a, on a Berahino who's, although he's uh, got uh, scored goals at this level, he is unpredictable and has a questionable attitude. So the Lloyd Remy deal just makes sense uh, across the board for everyone involved. Lloyd Remy gets to come in and play first team football and maybe get into the French squad. Chelsea offload a player and get a little bit of money in a, uh, for a loan and we get a player that can score goals. I think we've only, we've only scored uh, 19 goals in 20 matches this season. We've lost our last four games 1-0. So, you know, we're, we're defending better, but we just haven't been taking our chances. I think Mitrovic is struggling to adapt to the league. He's had a lot of good chances recently. He's just not putting them away. I think in the long run, Mitrovic and Perez is definitely the way to go, which is why I think the Remy deal makes sense. Because uh, you're telling Mitrovic and Perez, look, we have faith in you for the future, but we need somebody for now. And you can there'll be less pressure on you and hopefully you can adjust it sort of in the background and sort of develop further, which I think would be the best for everyone involved. And I, um, but yeah, I don't, I, I think Mitrovic is definitely the long-term option for the squad because he is just a really, really talented player. But uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dave was saying how uh, he thought Mitrovic was a player that would take time. And I think I, I agree with that. I think he's somebody who needs time to adjust and he, putting all the pressure on him to score all the goals that we need is just, unfair which I uh, which is why I think the loan deal for Remy is perfect all right well we'll definitely keep an eye on that move uh, on to Gitto now this morning uh when we asked if you could come on it was largely to just talk about Alan Curtis then obviously that result happened what was your take on today's match um uh, it was grim I was at the game um I was really looking forward to the match actually because um I, I did expect it to be an exciting game um, Oxford have obviously been doing very, very well in League Two, and they played quite uh, entertaining football. Um, so I thought it was going to be a very competitive game. Um, I expected us to make changes. Probably didn't expect us to make quite so many changes, and that really did backfire. Um, we took the lead early on through um, what is possibly our goal of the season so far. It was a very typical um, Swansea goal, really quite quick passing, lovely movement uh, and beautiful skill involved as well. Um, but and we thought, OK, that will calm things down a bit. Now we can uh, move on and take control of this game. But um, that's really difficult to do when you make 
10 changes from your last game and um, it, it turned out to be the case. Oxford kept going. Um, they were very, very positive throughout and they got their reward um, just for half-time for, with a penalty. Very, very stupid challenge from Kyle Bartley who was um, stand-in captain today. Um, he dived in the feet of uh, McDonald and um, even though he went down very easily, there's no doubt that um, you know it was it was a stupid challenge. Um, they scored on penalty just before half time, and then shortly after half time, they just took control. Uh, we did not defend brilliantly for either goal, but both of them were very t- well taken by Kimar Roof, who's um, certainly um, having a great season at Oxford and should be playing at a higher level. Um, and the problem was really that at this stage, we looked to the bench to make changes, um, but for a completely unknown reason, the bench was unbelievably weak all our big players were left at home um the only you know player who's featured at all in recent weeks who was on the bench was modu barrow um he was the second substitute he was the first one was um uh, kingsley um uh, who's brought a, a young scottish uh, left back who's brought on for uh frank tabanu he was playing his first well only his third game of the season it's been a real um, hot topic throughout the season. Why hasn't Frank Tabernou been playing more? Because he was so brilliant for San Etienne in Liga. Um, took quite a big step down, really, to join Swansea and has not featured at all. Quite clearly fell out with Gary Monk, has been injured. Uh, and even though he looked very good on the ball today, um, he had the defensive skills of a five-year-old. He was twisted inside and out by Oxford's uh, wingers uh, and, and he needed to be taken off for his own safety. Um, um, so that was the first. So his afternoon, uh, his long and his widely uh, expected and anticipated, uh, you know, big chance in the team um, didn't go to plan. He was uh, he had a bit of a disaster today. Um, Modibara came on and made a bit of a difference. We pulled one goal back, but th- there's no doubt Oxford deserved the win. Um, they were by far the better team, uh, and and we were we were dreadful. Um, it's only we are I think only the seventh team this millennium, uh, seventh Premier League team then to lose to opposition from the fourth tier or below in the FA Cup. Um, it's not a great list to be on, it has to be said. Um, it's 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 dominated by Wiggins and Norwiches and Derbys, you know, they're, they're not... Um, they're not prestigious company. Um, and um, to sum it all up, uh, we've already had one mention of John George Shelby today. Um, he had another terrible game. Um, it's summing up his season, really, and his attitude at the moment. Um, he came over to applaud the fans at the end, which is more than what um, quite a few of the players did. Um, but um, he had a bit of stick for his performances and you know him being the man child that he is he reacted he um became embroiled in a verbal argument with a fan looked to gesture to him sort of to meet him outside um and it's um it, it, those fans who uh, may have had a little bit of sympathy for John Joe Shelby quickly turned against him um he is um i we feel rapidly approaching that exit door and i think the feeling among both uh, all fans really is um, that it's no great loss for the club. Um, Jake there has already spoken about how there's um, a, a bit of uh, you know argument about whether it'd be a good signing for Newcastle. 
Um, I, I don't think there's much doubt that it would be good for Swansea to get rid of him um, because he doesn't seem to be a great influence in the team. He's very immature. He's never, ever matured since joining us from Liverpool. And even though he is undoubtedly a very talented player, we don't see his best performances regularly enough. And it's not that we're just fed up of waiting for him to actually perform at the moment. Uh, it's a bit unfair to put all of the blame on John Joe Shelby, but he does really ask for it a lot of the time. Um, and uh, like I said, today's performance really summed up the way his Swansea career is coming to an end, really. And um, it, it's no great loss if he does leave. Um, but, you know, the, the question is, what happens with the rest of the team? Yes, it was a massively altered team today, but we've got a huge game coming up against uh, Sunderland now in midweek. Um, I, and, you know, we win that. We put a bit of a gap between ourselves and uh, the relegation zone. If we lose that, then suddenly Sunderland are right up against, uh, up behind us um, and we are looking under huge pressure. So it's a massive game for us on Wednesday. And this defeat today to Oxford was the worst possible preparation. I know some people have been saying that, uh, you know, they'll take a loss against Oxford if it means we win against Sunderland. That's not necessarily how it works, um, obviously. Yeah, you, know, you, you still have to win that match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And when you you know can't beat a League Two side, um, it really doesn't bode well when you come up against the Sunderland team who are managed by Sam Allardyce. And I think have actually so, shown clear signs of improvement um, over the last few weeks. Um, um, I, I, I believe they put up quite a bit of, bit of a fight against Arsenal in the FA Cup, even though it was quite a one-sided game. Um, and um, I, I, I just feel after today's results, if things don't go well early on against Sunderland, then um, you could see the frustration starting to show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh, moving from today's match to kind of the broad picture, as I mentioned, you announced midweek that Alan Curtis will be retained as manager till the end of the season. Uh, what was your initial take on that? Um, it was inevitable that he had to be put in charge, really. It wasn't a decision that any of us thought uh, would be made a month ago, you know, when Gary Monk was uh, was sacked. 
Um, I mean, Alan Curtis is an absolute legend for those who um, don't know. He's he was with us in our um, the the last the only other time that we've been in the top division. Um, he was with us from the bottom tier up to the top division again, a bit like Gary Monk. Um, and uh, he, he was a fantastic goal scorer, um, a brilliant international player with Wales as well. He was from he's from the Swansea area. He's um, uh, he came back after retiring as a player to work in all sorts of jobs at the club, uh, working in the community, uh, working with the youth academy, moved up to first team coach. And he's always been there and uh, he's a great presence to have at the club. There's no doubt about that. But he's never, ever shown any interest in being the manager. He is a, a wonderfully nice guy, um, you know, the kind of guy everybody wants to have at your club. But he has no managerial experience. He has steadied the ship. Since Monk left, the results uh, have been decent. We got ourselves out of the relegation zone, uh, got our first win in a, in a long while. Um, performances have been mixed, um, but it's quite clear that he wasn't the first choice for the for the club. Uh, they were looking elsewhere. I don't think it's been handled very well. You can't possibly say it's been handled very well when you you know look all around the globe for a new manager, and at the end, after a month of looking. You hire the caretaker. Um, it's it's not really a great sign, if I'm honest. And uh, it's it's particularly worrying since we are now in January, um, and we are desperately desperately in need of new players, particularly up front, where we're sadly lacking. Uh, and the big question that people are asking is: Will Alan Curtis one be able to you know pr- provide any ideas on who we should bring in? But more importantly, too, will he be able to attract players? I mean, do players want to, it's difficult enough attracting players to a team that's fighting down the bottom. If you haven't got really a well-known and established uh, ma- manager, um, then you you can really forgive players for not being interested in signing for the club. Uh, and and you know we've already spoken about January. January could be a frustrating month for us, I feel, because we're so badly in need of reinforcements. But there's a bit of talk about how much money we'll actually be. Uh, able to spend and of course the question of who exactly we are going to be able to attract in the current situation um curtis's job is to keep us up that is all he has to do if he can do that then it is a successful season and in the summer they can do a proper job of getting a a a long-term option in but if you ask swansea fans are they confident of staying up the answers are mixed. Um, we, we haven't put ourselves in a great position. Uh, the first half of the season was poor on the whole, uh, and we need an improvement if we are to stay up. Uh, and we're down there as well with teams who are more used to being in relegation fights than we are. This is a completely new territory for us. Really, we haven't been in this kind of situation for about 12 years, and back then it was down to the bottom of League Two. Um, it's nervous times. Nobody's quite sure how it's going to go. Um, there, there, there will be no criticism of Alan Curtis after all this. He's just doing what he's always done and, and you know, said, I'll do it if you want uh, with the club. He's always made himself available for whatever uh, we've asked him to do. Well, this is the biggest job they'll ever be asked to do. Um, and um, nobody will blame him if, if, if we go down at the end of the season. But I think questions may be asked to the board, which is quite a rarity here in Swansea because they've done such a great job but they haven't covered themselves in glory in this search for the manager. Yeah, I think you may benefit from the uh, old, there are three worst teams than you in the league. Uh, what's your take on all this, Jake? Uh, well, 
I don't. I think that it's been handled horrifically uh, from an outside point of view. I, I think uh, I can sort of um, sympathise with Swansea because Newcastle are in a very similar position last last January when Pardew left for Palace and we we spent like a month trying to get people in and nobody came in and we just appointed Joel Carver. The difference for us was we had about thirty points on the board at the time and obviously we know what happened after that. We lost a lot of games and we almost went down. I, we wouldn't have went down even even if. You know, we lost every, most matches because, as we did, because you know, Hull just didn't get enough points. But even so, we became we came so close to relegation due to the lack of you know forward planning from the board over a managerial appointment. That you know, I'm concerned for Swansea now because they don't have the points that we had on the board. And um, you know, the transfer window, is, as Guto said, you know, they need players in, and not only is he not big enough uh, manager to sort of attract players. Uh, will players want to come to a club where the future is so you know up in the air and they don't know who's going to be the head coach next or the manager next season? Because you know you, uh, a player from abroad or even in the Premier League might think, oh, Swansea are a good club, I could go there. But then they could appoint a manager that I've had bad runnings in the past, or they might appoint a manager who doesn't fan for me. Do I really want to commit to moving to a club like that? I mean, it's it's hard enough to attract players at the bottom as uh, Newcastle are finding out at the moment, but at least we have a manager there. He's established. People know him, and they know he's going to be in charge uh, for for the for the forthcoming uh, future. And I mean, that's that's a concern for Swansea. I think the sacking. I think if you're going to sack a manager in mid-season, um, you're going to have to have a plan of where you're going to go after that. Either somebody lined up, or at least sounding out a manager and seeing if they'd be interested, or like seeing what the options are out there. I don't think Swansea did that. I think that was a, a huge error at the time because even. Keeping Gary Monk for a couple more fixtures while you did that, you know, it wouldn't have had a horrific effect um, for the for the club. Because I didn't think Gary Monk was doing a terrible job. They had a, they started okay at the start of the season, I thought, and it, obviously they had a few poor results. But that happens to any manager. You're not going to be able to go through a whole season without having those. And I th- I think if they would have kept Gary Monk, they would not go down. So I mean I mean they're in a position now where they're going they're in the relegation fight. Uh, I, th- I mean there's a lot of clubs down there. Um, I mean, I know that because I I follow the relegation by obviously where where we where we are. I think Sunderland are always going to climb out of it because they're used to it. <laughs> um, I think we we've had fewer points than we deserve um, with our performances, and I think we're going to get better, especially if we make signings. And I think you know the other clubs down there are, are, are getting points on the board, and I I think I'm hugely concerned for Swansea going forward. Hopefully. It works out because I, I like having them in the Premier League. I think they're well run, apart from this this sort of situation right now. And I, I mean, it would be sad to see them go down over over one error over like you know um, a number of years in the Premier League where they've done everything uh, perfectly. So you know, hopefully it works out. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a concern. And when they when that news came out in the week that uh, Alec Curtis was getting the job full time, it did it it did please me slightly as a Newcastle fan because I feel like that makes Swansea less of a threat in the relegation battle going forward. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you say that, if I'm honest. Um, um, we, we, the board actually did um, take um, uh, take a bit of the you know, acknowledgement. Well, they acknowledged then that um, they hadn't handled it brilliantly when they appointed Alan Curtis. They they admitted that they had been looking elsewhere, um, that they uh, there were various reasons why they had not been able to tie it. Uh, you know, tie anybody down, and um, they basically admitted that the only that, that they were uh, appointing Alan Curtis simply to get a bit of stability at the club uh, and and just get a bit of certainty about the future. 
um, which you know it's 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 good that they're acknowledging um, the, that the way they've handled it all hasn't been brilliant, but it, it still, of course, um, highlights the fact that this wasn't their first choice. Um, there probably are doubts still among the board, as there are among the fans, about where this decision is going to take us. Uh, and, and if I was the supporter of any other club down the bottom, I, I'd be looking at that decision, thinking, well, this gives us more of a chance. I mean, Jake's spoken there about uh, John Carver last season. Uh, Newcastle had so many more points than we've got at the moment and still very nearly went down. Uh, and, and that was with John Carver, who is apparently one of the best coaches in the league, according to him. Um, we've, we, we've got a get more points in the second half of the season than we got in the first half of the season. That That's going to be difficult, really. Um, he's Alan Curtis has done a decent job so far, but we need a bit more than that in the second half of the season. Uh, if we are to stay up, we need improvement still on what has been achieved in the last few weeks. Um, and, and that starts with Sunderland. Um, and, of course, if, if, you man- if there are question marks about your manager from the off, um, you know that that's a huge first league match as permanent manager for you to you know prove them either right or wrong. Um, so it's it, it's nervous times, and uh, I'm not a massive fan of hiring caretakers. Um, you know, I'm thinking back the last one I can remember in the Premier League really was uh, Terry Connor being uh, appointed instead of Mick McCarthy. Um, a bit like us, you know, the, the sacking of Gary Monk was definitely the right decision because things were going in completely the wrong direction and, and things were going so badly that he had to go. The, the difference was that we had to bring somebody else in and we haven't managed to do that. And like, I think it's similar to what Wolves did with uh, appointing Terry Connor. Um, we, we're just hoping that we don't go the same uh, way as Wolves did uh, that season. Um, but yeah, I mean... Jake's raised a lot, you know, a lot of the same points that Swansea fans have raised here. Uh, it's quite clear that it hasn't been managed very well. And um, we just hope that we're not going to pay a price for it. Yeah, I remember when we uh, got rid of AVB earlier in the season and uh, decided to stick with Tim Sherwood for the rest of it. That wasn't exactly a period of time that uh, most of us look upon fondly. Uh, I, I already mentioned a lot of this on Thursday because we kind of heard it was happening during that show. But um, it seems like you're opting for consistency and stability over an overhaul, which is the safe play. Uh, because if you had gone for a, a manager, obviously there would be a lot of upheaval. You'd be dealing with a lot of personnel changes. And it could lead you down the table just as much as it could lead you up it. I, I'm actually going to disagree with you and your opinion as a fan of that club. That makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think it's an interesting move in an era where everybody seems ready to, to try to take the jump up. Aston Villa did it with Remy Gard. And not commenting on his managerial ability at all. But it has clearly not gone well for them over at Villa. So it could just as easily you could have appointed somebody that you thought could rescue you and it equally not go well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not nearly as glum about it. Like I said, I think there are three worst teams. I think Norwich's internal struggles of not ever knowing how to play their best 11 players at the same time will bite them. And I think that Sunderland and Villa are the other two teams that are likely to go down. And I think if you do win against Sunderland, it will kind of help pronounce that. I do agree that it's super not great that you have 19 points through 20 matches. 
uh, I think uh, Jake's point was very well made that they did have 30 points um, under their belt when, when all of their upheaval happened. I do think Swansea have a very talented squad. I think that if if a forward could be brought in, it would really change things. Would that hurt my Buffington Bigomi's 15 goal bet? Yes. Uh, but I would much rather see Swansea stay up because, as you both mentioned, they have been such a credit to the Premier League and, and they have been run so well up till this point. And it would be a shame if just because of this, everything goes awry just because the first time you've hit a rough patch, everything would just crumble. That that would seem very uh, unfair to, to one of the better run sides in the Premier League. And the fact that there's still fan ownership involved, I think, is absolutely great. Um, I know that every time I talk about Swansea, it turns the Gilfie Sigurdsson, and I'm sorry for that. But since you have made the managerial change, Sigurdsson has had two less chances created and one more shot on target in just Curtis's five matches than he had in the entirety of Monk's 15. Uh, So I don't know if he's becoming unlocked or less restricted, but he is seemingly playing better. And we saw the Manchester City match right after all that change took place. Swansea played an excellent match, and we're very hard done by to not pick up points in that one. I'm fairly confident that you're going to stay up. I don't know if that's reassuring or makes me look more the fool. Um, But I, I think best case... Uh, you could you could end up 15 plus easy. I, I think if things start to turn around, or if Gomis decides to stay on side more than twice a match, or if AU starts scoring, or if Sigurdsson starts scoring, he had that excellent header. Was that two weeks ago now? I suppose. Um, I, I think things could turn around there very quickly. I also don't understand what's happening with Tabano. I thought that was a great signing, and we've talked about him a couple times on the show. Then he finally got a chance and did very little with it, as as you uh, reported. But I think Swansea are going to be okay. I'm fine with the uh, appointment in so much as it means that the entire backroom staff is still going to be intact. And I, I think that in a in a period where the ultimate goal is making sure you stay up so you can collect next year's super paycheck from the new TV deal, that uh, it it may just prove to be uh, the right choice staying in house. Um, the one thing I will say is that, um, our board does have an amazing track record of appointing managers. Um, this is the same board that discovered, um, Roberto Martinez and, uh, Brendan Rogers. Uh, they gave a job to Paulo Sousa when nobody else would. And he's now of course doing brilliant things at Fiorentina as well. Gary Monk was a, a stroke genius. Michael Laudrup, uh, Kenny, well, he did very well here for for a period before it broke down. Ke- uh, Kenny Jacket is uh, one of the more uh, respect, highly respected managers in the championship, and he was discovered when we were in League Two. Uh, and of course, they appointed Brian Flynn, who kept us up when it really looked like we were doomed to relegation to the conference. So they do get their managerial uh, appointments, not just correct but brilliant. More, well, pretty much all the time. So that's that's the one thing that reassures us in in this um, situation you know the 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 board are fantastic at spotting managerial talent of course this one uh certainly wasn't uh, deliberate and they are just hoping that it turns out right but you know they've got a good track record in that respect uh on Gilfrey Sayosin yeah he's one of the players who's benefited he 
he's still a bit inconsistent, but he has had performances similar to the ones we've seen when he's at his best. Um, think it specifically of the two Manchester games when he was at Manchester City. Uh, he was brilliant. He ran the show and um, played very well against Man United as well at Old Trafford and scored. Um, well, it was a great goal, um, really. And I assumed you'd beat them because they're you're their bogey side times a thousand. We are, we are, but I guess we're just not. We're about the same standard as Sheffield United, it seems. Um, so we we lose to Man United, even though Man United play terribly, um, and and they were awful against us again. You know, we we didn't deserve to lose that match, um, much like we didn't deserve to lose against Manchester City, but. Um, I guess in this crazy season when everybody can take points off the top teams, um, if you get a chance to beat a Man United or a Manchester City, uh, you better take it because if you don't take it, then the teams competing around you are going to take similar chances. Um, That's what we've really got to learn to do as well in the second half. But fingers crossed it all works out well and we're still in the league uh, uh, at the start of next season. Yeah, you mentioned that Swansea fans are back and forth on whether or not you'll stay up. As of today, January 10th, where do you think you finish the season? Uh, if, if we do stay up, it'll be by the skin of our teeth. Um, I'll have Newcastle last season. Um, oh, I, I've got I've got it. It's, it's, it's on a knife edge. I really don't know if we'll stay up or not. It, it depends what kind of impact Curtis has. Um, I'll be honest, if I was looking at this as a neutral, having seen Swansea's performances through, over the course of a season... Looking at the kind of problems we've got with uh, with uh, the squad at the moment, um, and with Alan Curtis being a caretaker, obviously not the board's first choice, uh, with no managerial experience, I'd say it's probably more likely that we'll go down than stay up. Um, sadly, but of course I'm hoping that I'm wrong. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm really confident, but you heard it there first from a from an honest to goodness Swansea fan. So. Hopefully that doesn't take place. I, I think that, again, that you've absolutely been a credit in the league and would definitely prefer to see you up here and taking points off teams like United, which you have done so often since being up in the Premier League. Uh, all right, now we are going to move on to Player Watch, where we each uh, are going to talk about a player that impressed and a player that disappointed in our club's uh, FA Cup fixtures. This may be harder for Jake since it wasn't televised at all. Um for Tottenham, I was very impressed uh, by Onoma. I mentioned it earlier on. I think that he has just a flair to him that's very exciting, both on and off the ball. Every time he touches it, it's exciting. Uh, Erickson also improved. I have to mention him here because he's been in my disappointing player for, I don't know, the last two months. Um, and now that he plays, now that he's playing in the middle, he is playing better. I don't know why this is surprising to people, but... Uh, when players play in their actual positions, they often perform better. So it was very pleased with that. Um, Danny Rose got the captain's band, and I was fairly disappointed in his end product. Towards the, the middle of last season, it seemed like Danny Rose had finally figured out how to cross the ball, which was the final piece in us all realizing that maybe he was actually going to be a very good left back. And that's that's the difference. He isn't tremendous defensively. He does have the pace. He does have the kind of hustle required to kind of reach those heights. But if he's not going to contribute when he gets forward, it's a liability because he gets forward so often that if he's put, if he's misplacing those crosses, it's allowing other teams to counter off of what are very poorly placed balls. And then they can play through and then they can play through the right side because there's nobody over there. 
Vimmer isn't as comfortable shifting out of position to cover that position because he isn't as used to the defensive setup next to Toby as Jan Vertonghen is when he's over there. And I think that that's largely why most of our clean sheets have come with Davis instead of Rose is because Davis will stay back next to Jan Vertonghen and then we basically have a solid back line as opposed to when we have Rose and Kyle Walker both bombing forward. The defense has to shift. Dyer has to drop back. Vertonghen has to cover left back. Dyer plays in the middle. And then we have uh, Toby covering the right. When Walker attacks, it shifts the other way. So uh, I think that Danny Rose did get the captain's badge. Still improved by him, but I think it shows why he is in kind of the B team at the moment at Tottenham. All right, Jake, I guess uh, just do your best here. Yeah, I, t- I didn't see the game, so I, c- I can't go too into too much detail. I'll start with the player that disappointed because I can go into a bit of detail here. Genie um, Wijnaldum, not often a player that disappoints, but I don't, I don't really know how he played overall, but he made the error that cost us our place in the FA Cup, so he obviously has to be the disappointment. It was a, he had the ball uh, in, in our own half, and he sort of played the ball back to the defence, and it just went awry, went uh in behind the back four, Dini ran onto it and he spotted it in. It was sort of like a would have been a perfect assist and he done it at the other end, but sadly he did not. So um, yeah, that, that cost us our place in the FA Cup. But if he didn't do that, I don't know. Maybe maybe we get the replay or we go on a win. But from the stats, it looks like we were the better team on the whole. Um, onto players who impressed, it was quite a makeshift lineup um, with the three-five-two, um, and I think Perez. It sounded like he created quite a lot and he. Um, Sort of threatened the goal, and he sort of looked looked good overall with um, sort of interchanges with Mitrovic and things. So I think that's a positive for us. I think Perez is a really really good player, um, and I think there's a, there's a, there's four or five players who don't have to worry about their future in football, regardless of what happens at Newcastle this season. Like he is one of those because he's going to go on to much bigger things. Hopefully, we we uh, move up the table and hopefully build the club with him. But you know, under Mike Ashley, that's unlikely. So. I think he's a player that is, is going to go on to bigger things eventually. And, you know, it's, it's great to see about the club at the moment. And obviously, it, uh, we only signed him for about a, one and a half million pounds. So that was a, a brilliant spot from the scouts. And hopefully, you know, we, we do build. But as I say, he, he played well at the weekend. And, yeah, hopefully he continues that because we need all the good form we can get at the moment. Yeah, and in between here, uh, Sky Sports is now reporting... Um, that you are officially in talks for John Joe Shelby and that a bid is expected to be lodged early this week. So that, oh, that's exciting, not isn't it? the most <laughs> exciting breaking news, but breaking news nonetheless. Mm. And by breaking, we mean you'll be hearing this eh, about 10 hours after we're recording this. But uh, good to who uh, impressed and disappointed in your match against Oxford. You might not, not think that's very exciting breaking news, but I think <laughs> it's very exciting breaking news. Um, uh, the, the the player who impressed, um, there, there weren't many, but uh, Liam Shepard uh, had his debut at right back today. Um, he uh, is uh, well. well he, we stole him actually from Cardiff City when he was about seventeen years old, and it's only now that he's making his first team debut. Um, but uh, he, he looked um, quite positive, um, looked comfortable with the ball at his feet. Uh, maybe a bit of an experience at times, but he tried very hard, and um, I think he can hold his head up high after today's um, uh, display. 
Um, I guess Christopher Nordfelt as well in goals. Um, I, I, it, it's rare that he gets a run out, and um, I don't think he can really be blamed for any of the goals. Maybe he'll be a bit disappointed that he didn't get his hand to the penalty, having died to dive the right way. Uh, but I, he pulled off uh, a couple of very, very good saves to stop it from being absolutely, well, even more humiliating than it already was. Um, as far as players who disappoint, I think John Joe Shelby is the one. Um, in, over Christmas against Crystal Palace, he had a truly disgraceful performance where he was just completely disinterested. Um, the re- it was a game where the rest of the team it was a it was a vastly changed lineup, uh, and the rest of the team really pulled together and worked hard. And he was just giving the ball away sloppily, just not caring where he was pinging it, um, setting up chances for Crystal Palace. And it was it was a bit similar today in the sense that he didn't really look interested in the game. He was just booting balls all over the place, not really looking to take control of the game. And, um, you know, this is this is an England international, a man who, uh, well, we know how difficult it is to get kicked out of the England team. So he may very well still go to the Euros, even if he um, has, a, has a, a second half of the season similar to the one he's had in the first half of the season. Um, but he was outdone today by Kima Roof in, uh, uh, in the Oxford midfield. Um, and, and he should actually be embarrassed by how inferior he looked compared to compared to Roof, um, he he was just he just looked wild and and, and reckless, and it was John Joe Shelby's worst, and it's what we see far far too often from him. Um, his behaviour after full time whistling, arguing with fans, um, basically summed it up, and I think a lot of fans will be delighted that um, he he seems to be on his way to uh, Newcastle. It was a uh, and and you know it, it's a sorry way for him to end uh, his Swansea career if he does go because he has provided us as with some great memories he has scored some great goals um, he, against Aston Villa last season he scored possibly or the season before sorry he scored possibly the greatest Swansea City goal ever scored but we don't see that enough uh, and um, I, I quite like the idea of him going to relegation rival and um, um, disrupting things there. Um, he's not really the kind of personality you want in a relegation battle um, but he wasn't the only one uh, Buffer Timmy Gomes did score today but again far too often you know, when you're asking for senior players to step up uh, he he just just lost all effort and um, didn't well, just fail to step up to the plate uh, likewise Jefferson Montero scored a stunning goal today. Oh it was real pretty Oh, it was beautiful, absolutely typical, you know, at Swansea at their best. But um, he, for the rest of the game, he really did look quite anonymous. He was marked out the game by Paul Docker right back. Um, and it's, if I'm honest, it, it, it's it's heartbreaking to see what's happened to him because I've ne- I've never seen a player lose confidence the way Jefferson Montero has lost confidence. He just has no belief left in himself. Uh, and we were hoping today against lower league opposition, he'd you know regain confidence by you know destroying some right back and it just didn't happen uh he was um uh, he, he was really um just absent from most of the match um yeah there, there were the, the center back partnership was um was shaky to say the least in Amat and Bartley but I'm not really going to blame them too much because they haven't played much football and I think it was uh, a selection error to pick both of them when Ashley Williams really should have been there to partner them just to add that little bit of calm and um, leadership um, against Oxford today. But it was a game where there were more poor performances than positive performances, sadly. 
Could I interest you in Tommy Carroll? There's a huge debate going on at Tottenham right now over whether or not he's good enough for us. He's keeping Bentaleb and Mason out of the side. I'd just as soon share him with you to make sure you stay up. Uh, I don't know if Tom Carroll's really the player we need, if I'm honest. I think we're, Jack Hawk actually had a decent game today um, in, in the centre midfield as well. Um, so I, you'd I, rather kind of have Jack and Key in that midfield for the rest yeah, of the season? Yeah, if I'm honest. Yeah, mm. I, Fair I, enough. I, I, I don't think I don't think Tom Carroll is the player that we massively need. Even though I, I really did like him when he was on loan with us, uh, and he was a real Swansea type player. Uh, but we've also got Leon Britton finding form again, uh, and he's how he old is he now? Thirty-two, I believe. I'm not mm. sure. I may need to double check. He's that, getting but, up there, but yeah. Yeah, but he's he's found a new lease of life under Alan Curtis because he he wasn't really playing much under Gary Monk until the very very end of uh, that era. And under Alan Curtis, you know, he's kept his place in the team and he's really, um, well, he's found his old form really after spells of injury and just lack of game time. Um, there was talk in the summer that he would be off the MLS, but you know, he's, he's shown his importance to the the entire club because. The, the whole ethos of Swansea City can be found in Leon Britton. He is, you know, the embodiment of the club, really. And um, I think if you lose those kind of players, then um, it, it, it can be quite dangerous. Um, but he'd be keeping someone like Tom Carroll. Um, well, I, I don't know if they keep Tom Carroll out of the team, but it's not our main concern at the moment. I think we've got other areas which really need strengthening. And central midfield is one of the few areas where we can probably make do for the rest of the season. Mm. All right, now we will head into match previews because weirdly it's a Sunday and the matches are upcoming on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll start off with Jake and Newcastle's match against Manchester United. Yeah, I think this is a I think this is a game that definitely is a could win. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, we should win, but it's definitely a could win. Um, we uh, the last Premier League game against Arsenal. I think you'll be. Uh, hard to find a team more unlucky than we were. We, I think we played Arsenal off the pitch at the Emirates, to be honest. And I think we were so unlucky in that game. They had, I think they had one or two chances and they got their goal. And we had about five or, five or six really good chances and just couldn't find the back of the net. So, you know, that, that was encouraging and frustrating at the same time because they're probably, in my opinion, they're going to go on and win the league and we, we dominated them at, at their place. So that's a, that's a good thing for us going forward. Um, and I think it's not going to be a good game with Manchester United. We've lost our last four games 1-0. I think they've scored six in their last 10 in the league. Um, so, yeah, it's not a, it's not going to be one for the neutral. It's going to be very scrappy. I think I think we it's going to, it's going to be either decided by one goal or no goals at all. And uh, hopefully we, we do get the win because I think we've got the players that will cause Manchester United problems. We've sort of got the pace there. Um, the physicality of Mitrovic against the Man United defence is definitely something to watch because I think they're not strong in the air and we definitely have that sort of potential in our side to mix it up a bit. And I think with Tiote back in the midfield alongside Colback rather than Anita, that's something that is going to uh, uh, be a positive for us because um, he's had some of his best games against Manchester United and he, he gives us so much more uh, so much more cover for our back four than than the Anita callback duo do so I think that's definitely uh, a positive and I think I think I think we're going to go into this we're going to play well we always play well against the big teams because our players think that they're the only games that matter for some reason so I think we're definitely going to play well it's just whether we take our chances and at the moment it's hard to see us doing that where we've obviously not scored in four matches we've missed some absolute sitters and yeah that's 
it is at St James's Park, and for that reason, I think we. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. Oh, I'm not gonna be confident. I can't be confident. You guys, man. I think we're gonna draw nil. Do it. No, believe in be, yourself. <laughs> no, nah, I think it's gonna be a. It's gonna be a boring game. It's gonna end nil nil. Yeah, I, I just can't see either team scoring. To be honest, Man United are dreadful, and we're we're just as bad. But yeah, nil nil. I forget the stat, but it's something like the last ten matches or something like that. Manchester United have gone to the half nil nil. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nil nil or one nil, I think it was. Oh, uh, well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, that's it's, crazy. There's not, so, there's not going to be goals. There's not going to be goals. <laughs> I'm going to say Perez with a late winner. And then you stay away yeah. from Berahino, you hear? Um, yeah, I think <laughs> All right, uh, we've already talked about Swansea a fair bit here, Gitto, but are you confident heading into your match against Sunderland? Uh, I don't know if I'm confident. It's, it's going to be a huge match, obviously, because of where we are on the table. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a great game. Um, I have a feeling Sunderland will come down looking to just keep things very tight uh, and sit back and maybe attack on the break. Um, it's, it's just a question of whether we can keep our discipline and keep our patience. I think it's got a draw written all over it, if I'm honest, because the stakes are so the stakes are so high for both teams. Um, I I struggle to see us losing this game. But at the same time, I, I'm not really confident of us winning it. Um, I, I think a draw would suit everybody without making everybody anybody really particularly happy. And that's probably what I expect. I think Sunderland have improved over the last few weeks. Um, Allardyce is starting to get them playing like a team, fighting at the bottom of the table. Um, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think this has got draw written all over it, uh, which, like I said, doesn't really resolve anything. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to go with a draw between Tottenham and Leicester, but now I'm not going to. We can't go three draws. I'm going to be super confident. I think that we showed very good progress against Leicester today. We both had rotated a lot. Uh, but by the way, very frustrating uh, how easy it was for them to sign Demarai Gray. We had been scouting him for quite some time, and uh, I think it was an excellent signing for them, especially when everybody is super excited about Vardy, but he is not particularly young. Um, so bringing in Gray to, to fill that position, I think, was a very good move, despite the fact that they still have Ujo and they still have Okazaki, and they still allegedly have Cromrich, but now I'm starting to think that maybe that was a dream. Um, but uh, Tottenham versus Leicester, their defense has been much improved lately. They've only conceded one in their last three uh, Premier League matches, obviously conceded today. Uh, I, I think we can score two goals, and I think we can hold them to one, uh, especially if Vardy misses, although it's sounding like he may be able to start despite his uh, groin surgery, but uh, I'm going to say Tottenham win this one 2-1 and start the uh, process of Leicester falling down the table and hopefully us climbing up it ourselves. All right, and with that, we are out of time, so if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, you can get, read my stuff on EPL Index or Total Dutch Football. Um, there will be a preview of the Newcastle Man United game coming out tomorrow, so if you're able to read more on that, check that out. Uh, for anything else, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N. Uh, if you want to hear the latest going on with uh, Swansea City fans, you can uh, find us on Twitter at the Jackcast. Uh, the last episode, uh, you can hear us how confident we were of uh, beating Oxford before this weekend, uh, and there should be another podcast up uh, after the Sunderland match this week. All right, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevrup on Twitter. You can find my writings over at blog.playdoga.com 
and TheEaglesBeak.com, as well as hosting the FPL, the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursday mornings. So thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.